Hello everyone, I'm Carrie, and I'm Kristen, and we're bringing you our weekly podcast called Girlfriend's Guide to Blending Families. Kristen and I met a few years ago through a mom's club in our town, but our friendship really took off when we started sharing the heartaches and successes we both experienced in raising our children in blended families. We hope to share insights, stories, and a few laughs with you on this crazy and rewarding journey of parenting. So grab your glass of wine, and if something we share resonates with you, let us know. We would love to hear from you. Cheers. Cheers. Hello, everybody. Hi, Miss Kristen. Hello, Miss Carrie. Welcome to episode 10 of Girlfriend's Guide to Blending Families. We made it to 10. I was just going to say that. I can't believe it. What a fantastic thing. So fun. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about finances and planning with your ex-relationships, current relationships, the kids, etc. So we kind of are just going to jump right in. And maybe, Kristen, do you want to tell us like how you handle in your situation um, finances between your ex and do you have like a shared bank account or how do you deal with um, like let's say child support or household issues yeah um, so when I was thinking about this about like doing the podcast I was thinking how I definitely have gone um, on both sides of this issue so um, when I first started out you know as I've talked about many times I, I definitely had a lot of like anger and animosity um you know, in my relationships. So, um, things were like very formal. So, um, when you're going through the divorce process, you have to put together, you know, your custody agreement. And in that specifies very particular things about taxes and health insurance and who's covering who and, um, you know, who's paying for what. And it felt really important to me, I guess, because, you know, like most people, you're ending a relationship and, you know, the trust that you had kind of, is not there anymore. So, um, it feels really, really important to specify that all out really clearly. Um, and I think for me over time that I just kind of let go a lot of that stuff. And as I just started to trust more in just the co-parenting relationship and that, um, you know, we're both out for the best for our daughter, um, that I kind of gave up a lot of that, um, intensity about some of the financial issues. Now I'll say that, you know, my ex and I, um, make roughly about the same amount of money. So we never did child support or, um, alimony cause it just didn't make sense. It would basically be even. Um, so for us, you know, I just think that in the beginning it, it needed to be said very clearly, which, um, you know, I can see why that, that needs to be, but over time it, um, has definitely been way less formal. Um, and for me that works best because, um, you know, the, just more go with the flow and the more, you know, I'm just doing my thing on my time with my daughter. Um, it, it just works better for me. Um, so that I guess would be my, my first like offering to people just think about like where you are in your relationship. And um, even if things are very sort of rigid at the moment, it doesn't mean that five years or 10 years or even a year down the road that it's necessarily going to be like ironclad and, and has to be what you thought it was going to be, you know, a year before that. Right. And I think you, 
I think that you said exactly what I would have, you know, thought by based on your personality that go with the flow is much more your style. Um, and I think that's good. You know, the trust is back. And I think that depending on the situation that causes the breakup of the, of the relationship, the trust is definitely going to be a big factor. Mm-hmm. Um, my situation didn't have a trust issue really. So when, you know, we split the finances was laid out, not super formally. I mean, we've, she's, um, we're eight, nine years out now and we still own a house together. We still have a joint bank account, not necessarily because we want to just can't sell the house. Mm -hmm. Um, but it all works out fine. Like, you know, he'll put money in the account for child support or to pay the mortgage. So he'll put the money in from the rent that he's getting from the tenant. I pay and I physically make the mortgage payment. So, you know, it works out okay, but it is still like a lot of intertwining when you don't necessarily want that to continue on anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That is so hard when you're trying to like wrap up a relationship and there are just a lot of entanglements, you know, property and bank accounts and um, shared debt, things like that, you know, that just make a divorce so difficult. Um, And then you throw a kid on top of that and right, like who's paying for what and, and how is it all working out where at some points you can't even stand the other person, you know, like exactly a text message is the last thing that you want to receive, let alone a phone call or, you know, really trying to like, as an adult, have it a conversation about finances. Um, you know, I guess, I guess that would be what I say is like that, um, you know, it's, it's definitely difficult in the beginning, but it definitely gets better over time. But, you know, and I, I think there are some people where they can never get to that. Just go with the flow part. They're always going to have, um, you know, child support involved, like sort of mandated by the court or alimony. Um, and in some respects, maybe that's a little easier because it's just like, you know, it's an implied formula and you can't get around it and it is what it is. So you just and automatic yeah. too. Right. So it's not like you don't even have to think about it. Right. So there's no, you know, I give you credit for like having, you know, still joint bank accounts and owning property. Cause I'm sure that was, you know, really challenging at different points in time. But, um, but, you know, I think we both know that's, that's the challenge of, of being divorced and, and having a child with somebody else is you do ultimately have to still be an adult and you do ultimately have to still, you know, take care of the things that you're obligated to financially, even when you don't want to, and it sort of pisses you off, but, um, you know, you just have to do the right thing. So, um, you know, I think it's like the little things that come up, like, um, you know, for me, like health insurance. So who was going to take my daughter on their health insurance? Because, you know, the, the category of just self in health insurance is, you know, the lowest amount versus self plus like child. Um, so I remember just being like super hung up on that about like, you know, dividing that up. And it was like a, you know, friggin' Excel spreadsheet. And, uh, I remember like, even like the judge, like you could tell he was just like, oh my God, you guys are so annoying. So, um, you know, and he like humored me on it and like, you know, sort of was like, yeah, okay. You know, you guys got to do this. But, um, but over time, like the process for me was, 
okay, well now I am remarried. I have another kid. So I have to carry the health insurance for all of us. It's not anymore when you carry one kid versus two kids. So I'll just do it. And it's not a big deal, you know, and I'm sure it'll come back to me in another way of where he's going to pay for something. So um, I guess for me, really like the, the transition was just getting remarried, having another child. And, and I guess just like giving up that, like the fight so much and just, you know, work moving. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think you made a good point. Like the, um, the big thing. So we talked about alimony, child support, health insurance, like, you know, joint uh, properties that you might have or homes or um, investments, that kind of stuff. But what about all the other stuff? So, you know, I know a lot of parents, both, I guess, moms and dads, whoever is obligated to pay the child support. A lot of times the perception is that that child support should, should cover everything for that child. Mm. You know, it's supposed to cover the clothes, the shoes. And actually there is a list of, um, on the child support government websites of what that it does include if you want to get real specific. But fortunately in my situation, like, it's, you know, he pays that. And then, you know, if other stuff comes up because he, my son's playing football or he's got a birthday party to, to we're hosting a birthday party this month. Um, you know, his dad will just share all that kind of stuff with me, which is amazing. Cause I know a lot of, you know, relationships don't have that luxury where, you know, you can just call and say, Hey, I need X amount of dollars. Cause the party was this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel fortunate that we're able to do that. I, you know, I've talked about before that my husband and his ex do not have that kind of relationship at all. Like theirs was a very lengthy, um, court embattled, very descriptive agreement with all types of financial stuff in it. Um, and there's never any like, okay, I paid this for the birthday party. Can you share it with me? Like that doesn't even happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think again, it's like just where you are emotionally in, you know, disconnecting from the other person. So, you know, clearly like you've moved on and you're good and your ex, you know, you just want to have a nice birthday party for your son. So it's, and I'm sure there's like a trust factor there too, of like, you pick the place, you figure it out, you know, how many kids are coming, let's divide it by two or whatever, you know, like sort of the proportion is. And, uh, and that's it. But if, you know, you're still harboring a lot of emotion towards the other person, you know, whether it's you or they're harboring it against you, um, that's just probably not, you know, a conversation you're going to have in the short term. And that's difficult because I feel like, you know, it's hard enough sharing your child and going back and forth and all of the, you know, the issues that come with it on top of the finances, you know, we all wish we had more money, you know, than we do. And we all wish like, oh, somebody else is involved. Like, oh, I wouldn't have spent money there. You know, we could have cut corners there. So to not have open communication does make it really difficult. So um, I know for us, the way that I kind of approached it was, and, and maybe this was just mentally how I, you know, transitioned in out of the divorce and into like a better place was I just felt like, you know, when, when my daughter's with me, it's my time and I'll just pay for whatever we're doing, you know? So if we're going to a birthday party, then I'll pay for it, the gift. And if we're doing an activity, um, you know, I'm choosing to take her there and, and to get her involved with it. So I'll pay for it. And, you know, maybe because I 
can afford those things or I picked the things that I could afford. Um, that just made sense to me. Um, so I can see how other people might not have that, but it was just a way of me also setting up a boundary of like, I'm not going to tell you everything that I'm doing all the time. Cause I don't really want you to know. And I really, you know, just need a little space from that. So that's what I found really helpful for me. That makes a good point too. Cause you know, on the one hand you want to feel independent and obviously able to do whatever it is on your time. And if you are asking, you know, for a cost share, then you're right. You're like almost like notifying like, okay, tomorrow I'm doing this. And that's like a little bit too close for a relationship that you're not in anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, what about like school stuff? So, you know, I know that in our area, we have a couple of nice private schools, both for grade school, high school, and then even um, beyond in, you know, postgraduate school kind of things. But what about those types of things? Like, did you know when you guys were splitting up that you were going to think private school and would you have even thought to put that in? Like, I, I, my hope with this podcast is that people, you know, that are going through this, it gives them food for thought mm-hmm. because not everybody goes and gets attorneys and does like the whole big lengthy process. And there's a lot of things that you just don't think about, especially if your child's too. like, are you really thinking yeah. about private school or college or, you know, cars, you know, 15 years from now? Right. Um, I guess, you know, I didn't think about it and I sort of knew there was an option of, you know, like, um, rectifying the the initial agreement that goes before a judge. So you can always amend your custody agreement um, based on like a new petition, basically. And it, and it just gets added on to the previous custody agreement. So I guess I felt like if I had a compelling case enough and there was resistance on the other side, um, that that would be an option. And it's free. Um, so I forget, maybe there's like a court filing fee um, because we didn't use lawyers. So I just, you know, we got divorced and then I don't know, maybe it was a couple months later, half a year later, a year later, I can't really remember. Um, but where I had, you know, probably a handful of things where I was like, okay, well, this was not covered in initial agreement. And so I kind of want this on record. Um, so I think that is what's good is even, yeah, if things change, your financial situation changes, you forget certain things that there's always room to add that. Um, because for me, the reason why we chose a, a Catholic school, you know, honestly, I didn't want to have the time of because we're in two different districts of which district my daughter would be in. So I thought that, you know, let's just take that out of the whole equation and she'll go to, you know, to school at a Catholic school. And it kind of made sense just like based on her personality, I thought maybe it would be a good fit, you know, in retrospect, I think that wherever she would have gone, she would have been fine. And that was just more my anxiety about like, well, whose, you know, address are we putting down on the form? And uh, like, is she getting off the bus always at the one house and never the other house? And like, well, if it's not my district, will I be playing like second fiddle? So um, that was a big concern for me at the time, which is why I kind of chose that school. Um, Now it's not a concern at all, but, um, but what we do, because we do split the major expenses 50, 50, um, we just split the tuition 50, 50. So it it works for me because, you know, it is expensive. Um, 
but it's something that I think he can afford on his own salary and I can afford on mine. So it works for us in that way. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. And I, you know, again, that's one of the big things. So I feel like it's something that you probably would think about if you're going through this, but maybe not. Maybe if you're, you know, you're just so um, in it in the moment and it's everything so emotional, it's kind of hard to see clearly sometimes about, you know, just thinking of these things. And something that I thought of also while we were um, chatting is that I recall my dad years and years ago complaining. And I don't know if like he said this to me or he told my mom and my mom told me, but um, like my mom would plan stuff and then ask him to share it. And my dad always felt like, well, that's not really fair because you didn't include me in the process. Yeah. And, you know, on her end of it, she would be like, but you live two hours away. Like, are you really going to help me pick out like the paper plates and the decorations? Or do you just want to like be invited and show up? And I think they dealt with that initially of getting through that hurdle to the point where he was finally like, okay, fine, you plan the party. I'll show up and here's the money because he didn't really want to plan the party but he wanted to be included. Yes. Yeah. So I can kind of see that too. Um, you know, if you are asked to contribute money to something, you kind of want to have a little bit of a say or at least a participation in it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's, you know, a, a realistic um, request. So, you know, that if, if you're going to help finance something that you have the involvement in it, um, so I, I guess that's really a good guideline, you know, if you're going to ask for a contribution, which is where I guess I was coming from, like, are you willing to include the involvement? And if you're not, then maybe you should reconsider that, you know? Yes. So take that same train of thought and give me your um, thoughts on fast forward a few years later in the child's life. And now let's say we're thinking about college and what is, whichever parent it is, isn't involved in the process, but is, are both parents still equally responsible for 50, 50 of the college expense? Yeah. So I only know because I have some um, therapy clients where this has been their experience where they're not in their kid's life and they are expected um, to contribute, you know, 50, 50 or whatever the proportion is. So I guess it's like going back to the, the major, um, the major expenses in a kid's life, like a car or, um, you know, when there are little health insurance or tuition that college, you know, even if you're not fully in their life, a hundred percent that you are, um, you know, assumed to really provide for that. So, um, and I guess, you know, I can see it's funny, like, I even know I already, so, you know, my daughter's dad works at a college and she goes to visit him there and she'll say like, oh, I'm going to this college when I'm older. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Like you're going to where I went to school. And um, even though that's probably a hundred times more expensive, you know, that I'm just like, no, this is, this is what we're doing. Um, Cause it makes more sense. So it's funny, like, even when she's five, I can see how that will be an issue you know are you going to the school that is local that's you know very economical and makes sense are you going to go to like the big school that's way more expensive and you know if you if you're not on board with that decision who's you know really supporting that and financially supporting that I think that's 
like a big issue. And how are you guys managing that? Cause you have more college age kids. We do. And I think that, you know, it also depends on your, your family values too. Is college one of those things that's like part of raising the child? Like there are plenty of families who grow, you know, raise their family in college is not a mandatory part. You know, it's maybe, maybe not, or, you know, I was raised that college is not an option. Like I was always going to go to school. So we are raising our children the same way. Um, And I think my husband and I've had a decent number of conversations lately because we have one daughter in college and one about to go to college about not that we would ever say we don't recommend college, just that is it as necessary as it was when we were going into that age bracket. Right. Um, Because, you know, they come out of school with so much debt they have to move back home and yeah. try to dig out from the debt, even though like our oldest had a 529 account. So, I mean, she had a lot of help to pay for the first two years of school, but you know, now we're in year three and there's loans. So what kind, you know, are you going to get a job when you get out of that? That's going to justify all that loan expense that you're going to have. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, you know, that's a dilemma. I think for any couple, on a good day, let alone when you're not together with the other person. And what I've, you know, really found is like, I guess something that I've learned is I kind of, you know, sort of looking at like very minimal signs and trying to make meaning out of it. Well, what did they mean when they said this? Or what did they mean about that? Um, And you can really get yourself like, you know, in a tailspin about it because you just don't have that contact with the other person like you used to um, about those big decisions. So it can be really anxiety provoking of like, oh, well, they said maybe that um, Florida would be a nice place for the child to go to school. Well, like, I don't want them to go to Florida. You know, like how serious is that? So um, I think that it's just, I guess as much contact and communication as you can have, or, you know, at that point you really go through, I don't know if this is what happens with you guys. you go through like the child, like the teenager to, you know, like, well, what does your mom think? What, what do you think? What kind of school would you like to go to? Because they, um, it's just, it's a lot of different decisions. Yeah. And it, you're right. As they're getting older, you know, you're going looking at colleges, you're 17, 18 years old. And it's like, okay, the co-parenting thing's still going on forever, but you're now dealing with an almost an adult child. So mm-hmm. the dynamic for sure changes. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we've talked about stuff like, I think you could almost put college and let's say weddings in the same kind of bracket. Like they're not mandatory. They're probably yeah. negotiable. And is that something that you even want to include you know when you're first getting divorced and I I guess it's all relative to when you're getting divorced what the terms are you know like I said before if you're the kids are two and you're getting you're separating you're probably not thinking of those things but if they're teenager that's probably you know more on the forefront of your mind agreed and I guess you know just my experience with the divorce has been how things change so drastically over a year or two's time, you know, where, you know, you feel like you want to like straight up murder the other person. And then in, you know, two years, you're just like, okay, that's cool, whatever, you know, you can text, you can talk, and you really don't have any emotion about it. Um, So Mm -hmm. I guess I think like, okay, well, like in 20 years, good Lord, who even knows what's going to be happening then. So, 
you know, if we're talking about weddings, like we need to assess like at that time, what's my financial situation? What's their financial situation? You know, maybe we just talk about like a dollar amount we're going to give, you know, both give the child or, um, you know, again, like proportion, like whoever's making more at the time, are they going to give, you know, this, this many dollars and the other person's going to give a little bit less because they just don't have the resources. So, um, I guess that would be my message is, you know, try not to sweat the stuff that you really don't know about at this point in time. There's just so many factors that can change. Um, again, like what if you get remarried and, you know, you're in a better situation or you don't get remarried and your ex does. Um, I think it really just skews the whole dynamic. Um, and you'll just kind of like figure it out when you get there. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably something I personally struggle with just because I'm a planner by nature. So I feel like I need to have like all my ducks in a row and like plan for every possible outcome, which is completely ridiculous because it's impossible. You can't know you know, what's going to happen and what changes. And you're right in a year's time, so much changes, the emotions change, your situations change. Um, And I think, you know, you can probably have a decent idea, you know, for example, if, you know, dad is a physician and mom is a stay at home mom um, on separation, like probably for the remainder of the child rearing years dad's going to make more money than mom so you can kind of guesstimate like what that looks like but if both have professional degrees and both are you know able to work like that offsets it so you're right I think bottom line the point is you can't plan for everything but you just need to be aware of it and I think especially in the beginning when you're going through it to plan for as much as you can foresee in the near future yeah yeah and it's funny because you know I was talking to another friend tonight who, you know, is in a blended family situation and talking about college and stuff. And I guess she just doesn't really have the trust in the other person and her ex. Um, So all those decisions are very anxiety provoking about, um, you know, she just doesn't really trust that the foundation is there and the good like judgment and decision-making is there. So when you have that, I can see why you want everything spelled out because you don't want, you know, things to get missed or to be taken advantage of, or, um, you know, like the obligations not to be known. So, um, I guess it also just really depends on who's on the other side of the table from you. Right. I, uh, you know, it comes down to trust. Like you Mm -hmm. said, when we first started chatting, like if you trust the other person, then all of this kind of becomes much more simple, but probably in 90% of divorces the trust is gone right so mm-hmm. hence all of the legal battles and um, lots of legal fees yeah so for you guys you know because you both came from you know former relationships was that something that you would was just like sort of understood when you guys got together that you know you have an account with your ex and I'm sure you know your husband has some sort of financial you know situation with his ex whereas in a normal relationship just having like are we having a shared bank account is a big deal when you're sharing with other people and bringing that into the current relationship was that a challenge or was that just both understood for you guys because of both being in similar situations I think for a while it was understood and we kind of just kept everything very separate, you know, um, when we moved in together and then we started having our own children, like he would pay for certain things. I would pay for certain things, but we each had our, everything was still separate. Um, 
we actually, I don't think we had a joint bank account until we were married for like four years mm-hmm. and it wasn't really any reason for it. It just, I don't know. We just didn't do it. Um, and then one day I'm like, why don't we have a joint bank account? Like, it's kind of weird. We've been married for four years now and like everything's still very separate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it kind of, it, it worked out fine. You know, he still deals with obviously payments of child support and that kind of stuff on his side. And I kind of maintain mine on there. Like I said, paying the mortgage to our previous house. And um, so it kind of works out. It's, it's fine, but we do have lots of bank accounts to maintain. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, you have to, I think that that's the trust too, when you go into a blended family situation where it's kind of like, you need to trust that I'm managing what I'm doing on my side. And I'm going to trust that you're managing what you're doing on your side. And we'll just sort of meet in the middle somewhere because um, it is a lot. Right. You know, we, I remember you and I had talked earlier about taxes and, you know, what we, I think you and I did pretty much similar things. Like we kind of alternated claiming um, my son initially um, and then we started doing, okay, you take the house and I'll take him and we flop them back and forth. Right. And, you know, there are really good resources out there. Like you had said, um, you know, very specific. Um, I mean, you can just Google anything like, you know, divorce agreements, New Jersey, or just any divorce agreements, um, you know, divorce agreements with um, child custody. And, you know, people have done it so many times before where they've really figured out all the different nuances like taxes, like owning property together, like gifts, like um, tuition, like vacations, like activities. So, um, you know, I would say like, try not to reinvent the wheel and just do your research and see what applies to you and include it in your own document because, you know, you're basically paying the lawyer for their expertise, but, um, because there is information out there, you can do a lot of that yourself and you don't need a lawyer to, you know, accomplish your divorce. You just, sometimes it helps in the negotiation. And if you don't feel like speaking with your ex, so, um, but all of that information is available. So um, I would say just really try to, um, to get your hands on that stuff, to think about what you, you have already talked about and what you need to talk about with your ex. I think that's good advice. You're right. Do some research if you don't want to go through a lawyer, but just so that you don't forget anything, you don't miss like something big like daycare. You know, you're like, oh, I didn't think about daycare. What about daycare? And then you're, you know, have to backpedal and talk to your ex even more when you don't want to talk to him in the first place. Like, it's kind of better to get it all out and have all of your uh, main main points ready to go in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and even like what account is it coming out of? Is it coming out of a joint account? Is it coming out of someone else's account? Um, am I, are you going to pay for it? And then I'm going to give you cash or am I going to write you a check? Because I want to have that sort of like documented um, based on how cordial the relationship is. So even just paying a bill can be a couple step process. Right. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely is. And I said, you know, we have the joint bank account. So every other Friday he deposits and then, you know, sometimes I forget to check and then I'll go back and I'll look and like, and I'll make sure I have all of my documentation correct. I'm like, Hey, you know, I I noticed that you only paid once last month and can you, you know, Mm -hmm. make it up to date? And he'll say, Oh, sorry. You know, whatever happened. And sure here. 
Um, but sometimes if I'm not looking at it, like we might both forget. So that's kind of irresponsible on my part, but it's not automatically deducted. Like, you know, he has to actually deposit it and, and do it and remember himself too. Yeah. Um, one other thought I had before we wrap up was once you are, you know, you're divorced and now you're here, you're trucking along with your child, children, and then a new relationship occurs. Mm -hmm. I think something important to consider when you're starting to enter that relationship. And especially if you're blending, um, is giving a clear picture to your new partner. Like this is us and this is what we do and how are we going to assimilate it? So stuff like we were just talking about, like, okay, I have this bank account on my own and I have this joint bank account. Um, what are we going to do going forward? Because when you first got married, like you were saying, you weren't talking about all that kind of stuff. So I think it's an important thing to discuss with your future partner. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, and that's just another thing I guess to bring into the new relationship is, um, you know, not only do I have these kids and I have this ex, but I have these financial obligations. And, you know, like, I remember when you're like in your 20s and you're just annoyed that somebody's like ever been in a relationship with somebody else before you. And that's just like a little bit devastating, let alone, you know, everything that comes with it of having a family before the new family. So um, I think that's just good to put on the table and yeah, just have like a lot of open communication about. That totally just made me think about when you're first dating and you're in your 20s, you know, the question you ask them is like, how many people have you slept with? Right? <laughs> right. You need to know that, right? And then, you know, second, third time around, that's not even a thought. You're like, how many kids do you have? <laughs> how, many ki- how much do you like pay? <laughs> yeah, like what how- is your alimony allocation? <laughs> how many text messages do you send your ex in a week? Because that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. The, the bar gets changed, that's for sure. Totally different, but... Um, I did find an article on um, U.S. news about, you know, financial planning and blending families. So I'm going to attach that in the notes of our podcast. But do you have any other final thoughts? Um, No, I would say, um, you know, you and I have just been like searching around on other podcasts. So if anybody is interested in our podcast and wants to be um, part of it, if they want to, you know, be... um, somebody that we can interview for our podcast. I think that would be great. We're always thinking of new ideas and having, you know, fresh perspectives. So, um, you know, that's something that people can contact us, um, through the podcast, um, and make that happen. But, um, otherwise, no, I think this was good. I think it's just a lot of like good, concrete, specific information today. Excellent. I agree. It was super fun. Number 10. I know. I know. So um, we hope we shared something with everybody that was helpful tonight. If something resonated with what you're going through, let us know and share our podcast with your friends. Our goal is to help us all step up in our parenting skills and to blend gracefully. So we'll see you next week on the Girlfriend's Guide to Blending Families. Cheers.